Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Welcome back to another episode of The Fulfillment Project. I am your host, Sarah. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I just have to say I am so, so, so grateful. We are you know, just finishing up our second month of launching this podcast, and I'm always popping in and seeing the numbers and the downloads and the subscribers, and guys, like it's growing fast. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I do this for you, and it's not possible without you and sharing it and the ratings and reviews. And don't forget to subscribe if you love this content so you can keep being notified when I bring out this awesome stuff for you. Um, We put out episodes every Monday and every Thursday. And this is your place where we talk about marketing for your business. We talk about high performance in your business and in your life. And ultimately, how you need to grow and move through transitions and those kind of like those icky moments in our life that really create the growth in everything that we're doing. And I have a guest for you today, and I've brought her on because she is such a shining light and such an amazing role model for someone who takes action, puts her head down, does the work, takes criticism, you know, takes, you know, those moments where she knows she needs to change. And that's Marta Carolina. She's an ex-client of mine and Joe's. She was in our mentorship, and I bring her on because these are the people that are really going to transform you, the people that maybe are where you are right now and what they have moved through and what they've had to overcome to get to where they are. So Marta has just gone through the past, you know, six or nine months of completely basically rebranding, you know, who she was and what she was about and really solidifying the impact and the movement that she wanted to make with her brand. She's exploded her Instagram account. She has this whole love your body challenge going on. She's had to shed a lot of identity of who she thought she had to be and with doing all that it's been amazing she had a location change she's hired trainers she stepped into you know a massive leadership role and the Marta I'm talking to in this interview is not the Marta that I met and this is what lights me up this what gets me so excited is to watch this growth because this is what it is all about so please stick around for this episode you are going to love Marta here she is. Hey, Marta. Thank you so much for joining me on The Fulfillment Project. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hey, Sarah. So so great to actually be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love talking to past clients and past people who took our mentorships because, you know, at the baseline of building your business or in like those first three to five years is where so much growth and change happens. And like, these are, these are the hard times that I think that you can really relate to that. Oh, for sure. Sometimes I look back at even like, you know, when you get those Facebook memories, I look back at just a year ago, I'm like, wow, I don't even remember that because it feels like so much has happened in that year. Mm, It's so great. We can look back and we're like, wow, like I feel like a completely different person. A hundred percent, especially after doing the mentorship. Sometimes I'll scroll down in my Instagram and I'm like, oh, how did I post that stuff? (laughs) Oh, yes. We are going to talk about social media today. We're going to scale that all back because it's funny. Like once you go through a coaching period or learning something, you look back, you're like, oh God, like what was I thinking? (laughs) 
Yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean, what you were doing before, like, I mean, you were getting clients, like you had a business running. It's just, it's like that next level stuff that we need to understand in order for shit to really start exploding. Exactly. I mean, like you get to a point where you have to do something to evolve. You can't just keep doing the same thing because you're going to run out of the clients that you're going to get at that level. Mm -hmm. And that's where the mentorship I found that it just pushed me to that next level. So now it, I think you said it in our, one of our classes where if it feels really hard, it's because you're growing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's like scale things back a little bit. I would love for um, our listeners to really understand like who Marta is. Um, you have a brand called Wonderfit and you have a, a location in Kitchener, Ontario, but how did you get into the personal training world? Uh, so that would actually be going back to my early twenties. Uh, I, been battling with eating disorders probably as early as 10 years old. I, I would say it started around 10. Uh, so it was all through high school. I started to quote unquote recover in my late teens, early 20s. But all I found was I just, instead of restricting my eating, I turned to binging. So I was never finding that middle ground. And in my early 20s, I actually worked for Herbal Magic. So I was a manager for them. And I realized that how unhealthy our weight loss system is and how most weight loss systems that are companies like that, unfortunately, they rely on clients to fail and come back. And so that's what prompted me to want to actually get into nutrition and get into finding out how to balance the body and kind of fix all that stuff. And at the same time, I actually started dating someone who was really into lifting. And that's when I started lifting for the first time. And I got my very first coach. And I realized that lifting weights is really what got me past a lot of my body image issues. Because you just have to realize that you're going to grow muscle. And so it's a whole new acceptance of your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to dive into that a little bit more um, in a minute, but how did you start personal training? Did you work at a corporate gym first or did you go straight into being an independent trainer? I actually worked at LA Fitness for uh, just short of two years. Uh, and then I ended up working at a private fight gym for a little while that's where I actually most of my clients from my, the corporate gym actually followed me and I grew my clientele a little bit more that way. And then it was one of those situations where the businesses were growing two separate ways and it was sink or swim. So I either give up training or I open a location of my own. And so in three weeks, I went from working in a gym to owning a gym. Wow. What, what was that like? I am so grateful. My parents can renovate and I have friends who could help because I saw 49 locations in total and I took the 49th location, which already put us at the fact that I only had probably 13 days to renovate, buy equipment and open the gym without my clients having any sort of transition. So they finished training on Friday at the old gym and we opened on Monday at our location. Oh my goodness. Cortisol through the roof. I can just feel it. (laughs) Oh, well that's, yeah, that's the worst part is I was actually in the middle of prepping for my first show. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you did fitness competitions. So with having an eating disorder previously and going into a very extreme competitive judgmental industry, what was that like? That was hard. And I think the only reason I did it was because someone told me I couldn't. Hmm. So therefore, of course, like that's the type of personality I have. Tell me I can't and I'll prove you. I'll show you. (laughs) Exactly. But it was one of the best and worst things. The best because I learn so much about myself. And I'm sure you know this as well from competing. You just realize how much more you can actually push yourself than you thought. 
like you have so many moments where you want to give up and I think you learn more about yourself than you actually do about competing. I just learned that even when I thought I was at my lowest point and I just wanted to cry, I could still push further. And I've actually found that that's helped me a lot in business. And my worst situations, I know I can still keep going. And so I guess that's the best thing that came from it. The worst would be, I obviously had post-show blues, which a lot of people do. And I would say it took me almost two years to recover because the first year I became very obsessive about staying within four pounds of my stage weight. So it was a year before I finally realized that I was restricting again and then started to actually go back into reverse dieting and get onto healthier acceptance of what my body's going to look like after post-show. And I think it really takes a very self-aware person to maybe understand like this is not like healthy for me or that you're back falling into maybe those, those old sabotaging behaviors that you had. For sure. I, luckily, I wonder if it, we actually have a really great team. And one of my trainers, AJ, was who coached me for my show. Uh, he was very young, but he's very, very intelligent. And he was the one who often gave me the reality check I didn't want to hear. So it was great to have that person around me because that's really what our team's about. We're more about the health aspect versus the extreme aspect. Mm-hmm. So definitely a great advantage. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you've taken basically success traits from fitness and applied them to business because it's very much the same. Um, I talk about this a lot on my social media and this is what I did as well. When I stopped competing, I was like, okay, if I can put this much disciplined, structured action into a goal, where else can I transfer this energy? And I love that you have done that as well. You're definitely a massive action taker. Um, I've loved witnessing that, you know, um, when we were working together through the coaching program, where does your, where does your drive for business come from? You know, I think you actually nailed it there. I think when you have that kind of, um, I will call it an obsessive personality where I was so obsessive about calories for a long time. I don't think you ever fully recover. I think you accept yourself, but I think it's one of those things where you are an extremist in every other aspect of your life too. So you just kind of shift the focus. Mm, yeah. So, Hallelujah. I can like raise my hands to that too. <laughs> right? I have such an addictive personality, but if we can learn to transfer it to positive yeah. aspects of our life. Yeah. Incredible. It's why like, I personally have to be very careful with alcohol and things like that because I know I'm a zero or a hundred percent type of person. Mm. So for myself, I just know that if I'm in business, it's a hundred percent. And I think that can be a great or negative trait too, because I also, I think you probably find the same. I expect the same from other people. Yeah. And like, that's a huge learning curve. I've had to have that in my fitness business with my clients. I've even had to have that with like my business coaching clients. Like I am all in and I'm going to do this at a hundred percent effort as fast as I can. That's really like my, uh, <laughs> my take on things. And I, I have to understand that not everybody is Sarah, not everybody is Joe. Um, and we yeah. kind of have to meet people with where they are with their own abilities. Yeah. Yeah. So I love like you're, you know, we have loved seeing the action from you and the growth that you had. Um, I want to scale this back just a little bit more. So when you opened up your facility, um, what were some challenges or struggles that you had with owning a location for the first time and building your fitness business? The biggest struggle I actually had was feeling very alone. I went from a gym where there was a lot of us to being very much alone in the sense that now I was running this by myself. And I find being an entrepreneur is a very lonely place because 
while you have a lot of people around you, not a lot of people understand your mindset and not a lot of people understand your goals. So they think that, well, as a trainer, you're only working mornings and evenings. Well, no, I'm working from when I wake up to when I go to bed because when I'm not with clients, I'm still working. So a lot of people don't understand that, well, why can't you make plans? Well, why can't you do this? Why are you doing so much of that? And so I found that that was really hard trying to stay afloat and still trying to recover some sort of friendships was really hard at first. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's the that's the journey of an, of the entrepreneur. And I feel blessed that I have a partner, Joe, who understands that. Have relationships been a struggle with you with running a business? For sure. Uh, I find that I often don't like to tell people what I do because they're either super intimidated by it if they're not at the same level or they're expecting a lot more of my time than I can actually give. Or if it's two entrepreneurs, well, now we're trying to fit two different schedules, uh, especially if they're two different industries. Yeah, yeah. Do you find business fulfilling? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I find I love the freedom of, yes, I still work a lot of hours, but I get to choose my hours. Mm. So this past weekend was actually the first three days that I took completely off. (laughs) Did you know what to do with yourself or were you like, uh, (laughs) honestly, so first of all, I had to figure out how to like, not like to keep myself occupied. And then I went on a Netflix binge and then felt so horrible about it. It was one of those things where I'm like, I need to not feel guilty about not doing anything. It was ridiculous. The Um, guilt that you have. It's so interesting. You mentioned that I'm actually working with, uh, one of our clients in our current mentorship, she's an NLP coach. So she does hypnosis therapy. And I started working with her because ever since I had my breast implants taken out, I've been like balls to the wall, like full out with everything. But when I'm not working, I feel so massively guilty and I haven't been able to even like shut my brain off with Joe and the kids. And it's something that I'm working through. And I think like, these are the challenges that come up with running your own business because you wake up every single day being like, I need to make money. I need to support myself. I need to have leads coming in. And there's almost like this anxiety that builds up inside of us as business owners. I agree. And I think that especially as being a business owner, as a female, it's, you have those extra struggles and I've been talking to a lot of female entrepreneurs about this. It's like, we don't want to talk about it, but for a long time, we were trying to sit at the boys table. And I would say it's only in the last year or so that women are starting to create a table of their own and realize that we don't have to keep up with the boys club in the industry Mm -hmm. and we can kind of do our own thing. But again, that's a very hard way to look at things because now you're changing perspective again. You're starting to accept that you can have a feminine energy in what you're doing and still fit in in an industry. So I find that that's been a struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about masculine and feminine energies in here in the podcast sometimes, and business is a very masculine energy. It's, it's very dominated by the male industry as well. Um, so I, I love, love, love that you connect with women and you network in your community and you do thing with, do stuff with other female entrepreneurs. Have you found that that's helped you from a mindset perspective or even from a driving force as well? Very much so. When I first told someone that I wanted to open a gym, um, it was a male trainer and he told me girls can't own gyms. <gasps> did, you and, like, did you like smack him upside the head and tell him he was fucking crazy? <laughs> oh, I wanted to. I literally had to just like take a deep breath and walk away. But it, I didn't realize how much it stuck with me for such a long time until I started to stop associating myself, not necessarily associating, but stop surrounding myself with males in the industry and instead do a girls club. And I just find that for a long time, I mean, 
we're going back to the 90s. We had girl power with Spice Girls being so awesome. And then somewhere in the 2000s, it became cool to not support females anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just find that that's kind of turning again. And it's nice to see female entrepreneurs starting to support one another and just the networking. And they're all becoming more willing to support one another and do things together and collaborate. Mm-hmm. And finding that's helpful too. Yes, I I love supporting women. I mean, I work with both males and females from the business coaching perspective, but my fitness business is solely females. And I think there's something so empowering when we can lift up females as well, because we do have a lot up against us. And then there's also that like negative self-talk that we give ourselves or even the comparison to other women. And we really need to learn to just like link arms and know that we have the support for each other and that we can do this together. And we are more powerful as we stand together. Exactly. Because realistically, there's room at the table for everyone. We're not going to run out of clients. And I say this often to other trainers in the area, you know, we're in a city that's almost half a million, we're not going to run out of clients. And if that's your mindset, then maybe it's your mindset you have to be working on, not your advertising. Mm-hmm. And even through our mentorship, there was some scarcity mindset between, you know, you and another participant as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see just how people perceive business. And when we have that scarcity mindset of there's only so many people, like they're going to take my clients or they're going to take business away from me. They really don't understand, well, law of attraction and energy forces and really coming into knowing who your avatar is and who you want to work with and understanding like there are, there are unlimited amount of people that we can help. Exactly. And, you know, I actually found doing my avatar and nailing exactly what my niche is. That's what really help me not ever feel threatened by anyone else because what I do, I've never met a trainer in my area doing the same thing. So I'm not worried about what Billy or Joe or John are advertising to because that's not my avatar. Mm -hmm. So you go ahead and advertise to them and all the power to you. But what I'm working with is not with something you're going to work with. Mm. So we can help each other and still support each other. Yeah. I love that you've brought that up because this is something I really want to dive in with you. And I think that when we nailed this down for you, things started to like massively shift. So before you came into our mentorship, where, what was your mindset like or your marketing approach like to try to get clients? If you can kind of, kind of think back to where you were before. Honestly, funny enough, I'm actually going to be posting about this on my Instagram. I was totally one of those girls that thought that you just have to post workout photos and post how lean you are and post your meals. But I had so many useless posts, so many posts that weren't educating. They weren't giving anyone any value. So I actually started to ask a few people what they thought of my Instagram. And a lot of them told me they didn't even know I was a trainer or that I owned a gym. I, yeah, I came across as just another fitness girl. Mm. That's big. And I think like, even if we look at like the social media world, like fitness is everywhere. Like hot bodies are just another scroll away. So yeah. And that's interesting. So what was the shift that you had in the mentorship then that changed everything? For me, it was realizing that I actually have to be giving people content. I think it's at first trainers have this thing. Well, if I give everything away from free, what do I have left? People are not buying your content. They're buying the experience of working with you. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding that made a big difference for me. So I give my workouts away. I give everything away on my social media, whether it's through a live video, um, the IGTV, whatever it happens to be. But now there's actual value to what I'm posting. It's not just a selfie. And 
there's nothing wrong with selfies because I'm actually very supportive of selfies, selfies, but there's a difference between a selfie with a hashtag lean abs and there's a difference with a hashtag that is teaching you something. Sorry, a selfie that's teaching you something. Mm -hmm. So you can post one post very different ways and make an impact with the same photo. So that's been a major thing for me too. And also obviously like the aesthetics of my Instagram very much has changed too. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, honestly, the biggest transformation for you has been your marketing and your social media and just the way that you present yourself. And like, every time I come across your stuff, I do this like little like internal, like happy clap, like, yay. <laughs> cause I just love seeing, cause once you get it, you get it. And then you look yeah. back and you're like, oh fuck, like how was I posting like that before? How was I even getting clients? So if I could go back and delete 3000 posts, I probably would. <laughs> And now, like, do you ever look around and you see people and you're like, oh, if you only knew what I know. <laughs> There's been, I've actually reached out to two people and just like try to give them some tips because we're in the same groups, uh, like business groups. But it, it, it's very much just as you said, you have to get it and you have to be ready to get it. And if they're not ready to get it, I, whatever I'm saying is falling on deaf ears. Yeah. And I think like the biggest shift for you, and I remember like you were here, like in our home office, we were talking about really like what's your message? Like, who are you trying to impact? And what are you trying to like that transformation you're trying to take them through? And I think that this is the big thing that so many fitness professionals get caught up on. Like you're certified to train people. I mean, you're certified to give people advice. And so many people just keep saying to themselves, I'm a personal trainer. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a personal trainer. Have you seen your mindset shift from being a personal trainer to now being a coach or someone who has a movement for people? For sure. And I think it was actually in your home office. I don't know whether it was you or Joe who said it to me, but one of you said, what problem are you solving? And I think that's really what makes you think. It doesn't matter what your certifications are. What is the problem that you are consistently solving? And the problem that I'm consistently solving is body image. You can love yourself and still want to better yourself. And I think for a long time it was, you can either be fit or you can love yourself, but you can't be in the middle. Mm -hmm. So my movement is very much, uh, as you had actually come up with the love your body challenge, it is very much that movement. It's that movement for the women who have tried everything. And I mean, everything succeeds, but nothing lasts if you're looking at fad diets, right? So it's those women who feel very defeated and they need to actually start with their mindset. Those are the women that, I can relate to the most because I have tried everything. I have done everything. And while it all worked, nothing lasted. So it is, it's just, as you said, it is a movement and it's a realizing, yes, these are my certifications, but what am I actually helping with? And I think that that's a big issue for a lot of female trainers. They fall into the perception that they have to be the girl who is posting booty photos and has 20,000 followers, but how many of those followers are relating to you and how many of them are buying from you? Oh, gold. I have to stop you there. That is freaking gold. <laughs> that's like, that's the whole purpose of what I love to talk about with Instagram. Like it's not about your followers. It's who are those people that actually want your services that you're actually trying to attract. It's the quality of the stuff that you're putting out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go a little deeper onto that because I think it took you shedding some of your own story and some of maybe those beliefs that you thought that you had to be. Cause I think like at one point, and I, I would love for you to elaborate on this. You thought that you had to be that perfect skinny Instagram model girl. A hundred percent. Like 
uh, funny enough, someone actually recently commented on my privately, luckily, but they commented and said, you know, it's kind of funny to see how much more clothing you're wearing in your photos now. And I was like, I don't know how to take that, but, <laughs> but it's true because you feel like you have to fit in with this, like what you're seeing on your feed is a lot of fitness girls are just posting booty photos or just posting bikini shots. And that's really awesome. But you have to remind yourself, those are the girls who are really proud of their body for what they're doing. They're not trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their goal is different. Yeah. And you have to look at, do those people even have a business? And yeah, they might have 50,000 followers, but are they all males? Or what exactly. is that messaging and that perceived image that people are having of you? Exactly. And I mean, for myself, I have marketing companies message me all the time about how they can get me more followers, et cetera, et cetera, because I'm only at 2% engagement. And I've replied to most of them and said, you know, it's not my engagement that matters. It's how many people I'm relating to offline who have seen my posts and I'm selling to. Mm -hmm. So I may have only 2% engagement, but out of that 2%, who's buying from me? That's what I care about. Yeah. And really, like, you don't need 100% people buying from you. You, You'd be like... I wouldn't have enough trainers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting because I think you had about two or 3,000 followers on Instagram, um, you know, when we kind of first came into contact. And now I think you're almost at 13,000, you know, six, nine months later with everything. So when you started to shift your messaging and you started to shift the way you were posting, what did you start to see? I actually started to see an increase in private messages more than anything. Just women who aren't willing to quite post about things publicly yet, but they read it and, oh my God, that's me. I can relate to that. That was me at some point. That's, you know, it's that message that just struck a chord with them. And I actually did an experiment in a Facebook group the other day and I posted and said, how many women are afraid to lift heavy? And I already knew what the response was going to be. About 15 or 16 girls commented about how they love love to lift heavy and not a single woman commented that she is scared to lift heavy. This is a group that had close to 7,000 people in it. Don't tell me that there's not one female in there who's not afraid of lifting heavy because I'm sure there is. But it's the fact that because the overall message and comments were talking about how great it is to lift heavy, that one woman who's intimidated will not publicly say it. Mm. So that's what I noticed is my message. It's not necessarily in the comments that I'm going to get the engagement I want. It's that offline. It's that offline message I'm getting, the private message I'm getting, the connection I'm making. And that's where sales happen realistically. Mm-hmm. I think it's great because you've completely shifted even – like you're, you're such a sponge of knowledge and research and you're like, if I do this or test this, like how do people respond? And what has that like shift in the mindset been from you with how you approach social media in general? Um, I think it's because as much as I'm still in the training world and I'm still in the coaching world, um, part of me is very much just wanting to work with women on every level. I'd like to get into more life coaching, into helping women on every level that I can. And I think that's where my interest really has me researching all types of stuff. Yes, I can improve my Instagram this way. So let's research the algorithms for that. How can I improve my life this way? So let's research this. So I think it's mostly because my interest has gotten to grow past the training and nutrition. I think that's my base, but I don't think that's where I want to stop. And I think being in the mentorship opened my eyes to that about what am I constantly passionate about? And it is growth and it is learning more. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting though. You actually didn't want to come into our mentorship. I remember having a call with you and you were like, no, sorry, not for me. <laughs> You're right. Um, honestly, I think it was the, the, my biggest thing was my mindset. It was a scarcity mindset when it comes to money. When you're in business alone, it's do I take that financial risk? But at the end of the day, if you're not taking the financial risk, you're not taking the risk and you're not growing. Mm -hmm. So definitely worth it. That's for sure. (laughs) You had a whole location change. Yes. What was it like changing locations and renovating a new spot? So we didn't have much more time than the first location. We had four weeks this time. Um, And I went from a... The square footage on my old unit was technically 2,000, but usable space was only 1,000. So I went from 1,000 square feet um, at the end of a dead-end street to downtown Kitchener, right almost across from Google, and we're now in 3,400 square feet. Joe and I are so excited to announce that we have opened up applications for our Learn to Earn Mentorship starting September 28, 2018. If you're a health and fitness professional looking to increase your online presence and grow your social media accounts, implement automated systems to create more time freedom, have a system for generating new client leads every single week, improve your sales strategy and confidence behind selling, implement and launch group challenges and transformations in your business, and ultimately have us be your guide and accountability to ensure your business grows, then this mentorship is for you. Keep listening. This is how it's going to work. We are only taking on 15 business owners for three months. We have sold out our previous two mentorships that we've run, so space is extremely limited. We're going to meet as a group starting September 28th in Hamilton, Ontario, then again in October, and again in November. These group meetings are to give you an environment for growth with like-minded entrepreneurs and the education and knowledge you'll need to grow your business. Between the group meetings, we'll have private Skype calls with myself and Joe and provide you with individualized action plans that that your business needs, along with weekly accountability check-ins and daily chat access right on your phone through our app that we work with with clients. You can find the application form at www.learntoearnofficial.com. After filling that out, we want to have a phone call with you to ensure that this is the right fit for you and the stage that your business is at and see if, you know, this is a really great relationship. Some of the success from our previous mentorships have been turning Instagram accounts from 5,000 followers to 20,000 followers, turning income from $1,000 per week to $10,000 per week, giving someone the confidence to raise their rates from $40 per hour to $95 per hour and completely booking out their client list, finally hiring trainers and building out a team around them, launching online programs and additional revenue streams, and I could go on and on. But truly, the transformation comes from having people like Joe and I to give you the permission to up-level, let you know that you're on the right track or the wrong track, you know, redirecting you and keeping you accountable to your business goals. If this sounds like the journey that you want to embark on, head on over to our application and let's have a call and see where your business is at and, and see what your goals are for yourself. One phone call could completely change your life and business. You're great at what you do. Your clients love you. Now it's time to truly be great at business and make the income and impact that I know that you are wanting. So head on over to www.learntoearnofficial.com, fill out an application, and let's have a call. So renovating that was a process, and that was actually right in the middle of the mentorship. And um, 
funny enough, I've been trying to get that location since March of 2016. And I just couldn't get in touch with the landlord. I couldn't get in touch with the real estate agent. I was just hitting closed doors. And after the first mentorship, I can't remember what Joe said, but it was something about basically chasing down what you want. And I called him on a Friday night and said, there's a location I want and I can't get in contact with anyone to get it. I can't rent it out. I don't know what to do. And he told me, he's like, well, you're knocking on the wrong doors. He's like, you get in contact with the um, owner of the location and get it done. And I don't even know what changed. I think it was just a mindset change after that. We ended up signing the paperwork two weeks after that. And we moved December 1st and opened on January 2nd. Mm. Right over Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I remember like talking to you at the end of it. You're like, I, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost able to breathe. I'm almost able to breathe. <laughs> Yeah. And I told my trainers that we're moving and they're like, oh, so you think we're going to be open in four weeks? I'm like, oh, we will. We're going to be open in four weeks. Trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You definitely have a huge persistence about you and a definite, like you're a massive action taker. Do you ever, does fear ever pop up for you or that internal voice, you know, telling yourself maybe those negative things? How do you deal with that? Honestly, probably always, but I find that you have to change your internal self-talk. And that's something I talk about a lot. Um, and I think meditation is a huge one for that, as well as affirmations. And I know people hate when you talk about affirmations, but they really are a thing. The way you talk to yourself is the way you're going to respect yourself. And I tell my clients all the time, if your best friend talked to you the way you talk to yourself, would they still be your friend? Probably not. So with any negative thought that I have, uh, what I do is exactly what I tell my clients. Replay it in your head as though it's someone else saying it. Would you still want to talk to that person? Yeah, it's so true. We do that with everything. With, yes. our, with our bodies, with our relationships, with our money, with our business. It's the, Your internal do- dialogue means everything. And if the one person who you're hearing the most, which is yourself, tell, oh. telling you like, you're not good enough, you can't do this, who are you to want that, you'll never move forward. Exactly. And I think you just, it's not something that changes overnight. And I meditate every single day um, in the morning and lately in the afternoon as well. And I when I'm at home, I actually have subliminal positive messages playing all day. And it sounds silly, but those little changes are what's going to change how you think. Because especially when you're in a subconscious mode, when you're, whether you're cooking or whether you're cleaning, whatever it is that your mind's kind of a little bit in limbo, that's where you're most receptive to hearing that stuff. So those are little changes that you can make without, I know a lot of people hate meditation. So without the like, frou-frou stuff, you can still do those things and still change how you're thinking without sitting down, meditating for 30 minutes and thinking of Buddha, like, yeah. you know? I, uh, I do like meditative states for me are even like cardio with like having some music yeah. on and any of those states, um, even like driving, like, have you ever been driving? You're like, I don't remember the last three streets I passed. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a meditative state as well. And it's those moments where we can like, shut off our brain almost and go into that peace and that stillness. Yes. And I find um, visualization is great too, but I find the only place I can visualize is just as you said in the car. Well, I'll have my favorite songs playing driving out in the country. I thought I find that that's the best place. It's clear. You're not really thinking about anything but the road and you can really get into visualization. And that's really what builds your future you're going to manifestation is a very real thing. And I know people think 
that a lot of people think that that's crazy. But if that's all you're thinking about, if that's all you're setting your mind to, you're going to put yourself to work to get it. Mm-hmm. And I find as, as amazing stuff starts happening and you're stepping through those fears and taking the action, the, the visualization of your future just keeps almost like expanding more and more. So yeah. like the Marta a year ago, would she have been thinking the way that she is now? No, a year ago, obviously, um, January, or sorry, July and August are the slowest months of training. A year ago, I was freaking out because August was my lowest income month. Now, this year, that's not even a thought to me. Mm, I love it. I love it. So what has been one of the biggest challenges over the last year for you? Uh, probably rebranding a little bit, getting away from, we were very much uh, Wonder Woman based. So the red, the yellow and blue, which were very juvenile colors almost. So getting away from that whole image that we had before and rebranding, rebranding more into, while they're still neutral colors, they are colors that women are more accustomed to just really changing our whole image. And while I'm branding Wonderfit, I'm also doing a side brand of my own personal. So just as you got Sarah Fennell, I'm starting to brand Marta Carolina, just so that I do have two sources of income mm. on top of all the other small streams of income that I have. Uh, just trying to build two different brands. That has definitely been a challenge. I love that. Um, and you've never really built up your own name as a brand. And I think that's like Joe and I are building up PT profits, but you know, Sarah Fennel is still a brand because I don't know where Sarah Fennel is going to take. Um, mm-hmm. And same with yourself. Now that I think you've realized the power of having like a message that's outside of who you are, that's actually like a community for people. you're like, Hmm, like where else can I take this in the future? So I love hearing that. That's so amazing. Yeah, I have a blog that I'm going to be launching in the next few weeks, and it's not really limited to just health and fitness. It's very much uh, more community-based, So, and that I'm branding under Marta Carolina. So it's just as you said, it's, you know, for the first time, I'm actually using my real name, which <laughs> I usually don't. I've always stuck under the Wonderfit umbrella, um, but I just feel that it gives me more opportunities and keeps me open for where the future might go with Wonderfit. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that you've noticed because I don't think that you were someone who really understood how colors made someone feel, how words made someone feel, and how like messaging and, and how branding really worked. So what was your process through like starting to understand that and implement it into your business? Uh, colors was a huge one. I just, I never really loved our original colors. I think it was just because we were so rushed to open that we just went with it. So that had been nagging at me for about three years, but, um, changing how I spoke more in terms of not speaking at people, but speaking to people was very big for me. Uh, speaking to the emotions and answering those questions that are in their head. Uh, one thing that I actually did was I joined a lot of weight loss groups on Facebook and I'm not necessarily active, but I read a lot of the questions and a lot of the concerns that women have and being able to answer those questions, being able to speak to those exact needs. That's where I found my branding really changed instead of just, you know, a motivational quote on a photo. Yeah. And for any of you who are listening here, if you're just using your body and motivational quotes and your food, stop. Stop. (laughs) So let's say there's like a female fitness trainer listening to this right now. What are the top like three or five things and pointers you would give to her for transforming her, her Instagram? Cause you've done a beautiful job at doing this. 
Uh, so I use two apps that are my go-to because it just creates kind of a cohesive look without it being all the same. And so I use Snapseed to brighten my photos and then I use uh, Visco, which is, it lets you set a filter that you're going to add to all of your photos. It doesn't look the same, but it just gives a nice cohesive look. So that is a major one because people like the look of your photos. When they scroll, they like to stop at a photo that catches their attention, a color scheme that matches their personality or their mood or whatever it happens to be. So that's a big one. Um, and the other one I say is every single post, make sure that you're giving some sort of content, whether it's you're giving a recipe away, a workout away, or some sort of knowledge or something that someone can relate to instead of just skim through and scroll by. So then the other thing that I do is I try to get a post that has some sort of engagement. So I will do this probably every two or three weeks. I'll do tag a boss girl that you love because People love to get engaged on posts like that. They love to give a shout out to somebody that they love. And so I love doing posts like that. It really helps my Instagram grow, but it also helps other people kind of share the stuff that I'm doing without me asking them to. Mm, I love that. So I know. I always see you tagging me stuff or tag this person. Like it's brilliant. And one of the main ways to build an account is to have outside eyes on you. So yeah. Yeah, when you can get people to be tagged in your posts or some high value content where someone's like, oh my God, I need to tell my best friend this. We were just talking about this. Mm. Yeah, it changes everything. Anything that has a call to action, which is something you taught me. Call to action is huge, whether it's a tag your friend, do this workout, tag me in your workout, tag me in your recipes. Whatever gets people to engage with you is going to really help. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I really learned is stay away from giveaways. Mm. I know. I know that they work for branding and influencers, but if you're trying to grow a business, I just find the giveaways get you a whole bunch of followers that end up leaving right after. (laughs) Yeah. It's when you want to entice people with just like a lot of free stuff or tag five friends, it's not really high quality leads that you have coming into your accounts. Exactly. You have five friends that got tagged and they're like, why am I tagged on a fitness thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like getting somebody personal training for Christmas who didn't ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that you're so into Instagram now. And it's funny because like I even message you sometimes. I'm like, Marta, like what's going on with this? Because sometimes I feel like <laughs> you're even like further ahead of stuff with me. I had a link that was uh, broken actually just yesterday. And I'm like, Marta, is link tree down? It's not working for me. <laughs> and you're like, just a minute, let me check. <laughs> so I love that you are just, you're so open to the growth and you want to learn. And I think that's the biggest shift that people need to have is you need to be open to the growth. You need to be open to the teaching, to the criticism, and to know that, especially with the online world and social media, like it's always changing. So you have, yes. to, you have to have that open mind and, and almost have that little student cap on you all the time of what's happening right now and what's going on and where can I improve? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've always said this about training. If you think that you know everything, you've just limited yourself. Oh, yeah, you're done. Um, yeah, like you're officially done. Like, sorry, there. if you think there's nothing to learn, especially in an industry that is science-based and new science comes out every single day. I mean, in 2010, we were all for intermittent fasting. Two, later, two years later, it was the worst thing in the world. And now we're back to intermittent fasting. So, you know, things change so quickly that you have to keep up with it. And I feel social media is the same way. I see all these influencers who are so set in their ways and algorithms change every three months. If you're not keeping up on that, you're going to fall behind. Mm -hmm. How do you view, how do you view your Instagram 
in relation to your business? Because I don't see a lot of posts about your your facility and that that's your bread and butter for your income. So let's just help our listeners maybe understand the difference between like your Instagram being a flyer for your business versus a movement. Well, I think a lot of it is the fact that my business, my gym is where I conduct my business. But at the end of the day, it's the experience with me, the clients are buying. Mm -hmm. So they need to be able to relate to me. They need to be able to connect with me. And the one thing that I do is I make sure that my Instagram is very clean and very cohesive, but my Instagram stories and my lives, those are more natural. Those are more real life. Those are unedited. So if I'm doing a live at my gym, that's going to be unedited. Uh, if I'm doing a video with AJ, that's going to be unedited. And we'll post a lot of that stuff on our IGTV. So all that stuff is still there accessible. But I do want people to understand that it's really the connection with me. And I'm not selling you my gym. My gym is kind of just what comes with it. But it's what we believe at our gym and the values we have has to do with the person that you are and not the facility that we're bringing you into. Mm, I love that. That's so beautifully said. And I think like you just wrap that up completely. Like people are going to want to work with you. So Mm -hmm. if we aren't showing people who we are and maybe being a little bit more vulnerable with our story, there's no connection. Yeah. And when it comes to the online world, and I think maybe you can relate to this with having a brick and mortar business, you're like, if I can just get people in front of me, I know I can sell them. If I can show them the facility or talk to them and hear their story, build that rapport, you know, I can sell them. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to online, I think this is a big disconnect. People are like, I can't get clients from online. Well, are you building a rapport like with your audience? Like, does your audience really know you? And if you don't have that openness, then there's just no connection between the two of you. And then this is when people just don't reach out. Exactly. And you know, it's also being very real with my clients too. I mean, if I've had a donut, I'm going to post about it so that my clients know it's all about balance. And I think a lot of people are really scared. The trainers are these perfect, um, like start like drill sergeants almost where we're always perfect. We're always eating perfect. We're always breaking out perfect. And so I try to post my struggles as well because I want women to realize that it, it's an ebb and flow. You know, you're going to have your perfect weeks and you're going to have your crappy weeks where it's like, Oh, it's been six days since I made it to the gym, mm-hmm. you know? So being very real shows my clients that that's actually one thing I get told a lot is that our gym is very understanding. And I don't believe that there's a bandwagon to fall off of. I just believe that every day is different and you may not have been perfect this day. That just means that you have a new day to start with. We're not going to pull guilt from Tuesday into Wednesday because mm-hmm. what's that accomplishing? So I try to portray that as well because it's the morals and values that you're really selling to people on social media. Yeah. And was that, cause I think to really come out and be vulnerable and show those like quote unquote imperfect sides of ourselves, we need to shed a lot of our own shit. So, and, yeah. and with you being okay with like, okay, like m- maybe like I'm not perfect and I'm okay with that. So what was that process like for you with, I guess, just the maturity with your own fitness goals? Well, I think a lot of it was letting go of the fact that I'm not going to look like I did on stage day in and day out. That's just not an attainable thing for me. And it's also not something I want because I'm, I am 34 years old. And so my health is something that is more important to me than how lean my abs are. So I think it was changing the perspective there. But I mean, a lot of it too, I actually asked you about this is how do you come out with your own story without coming across as someone who airs all their dirty laundry out and 
you know, just looks like they're seeking for attention. And so what I did was actually take your advice and come out in pieces. So I didn't put everything out at once. And as I started to kind of put little pieces of this and that out, I felt myself almost become more acceptable of it because no longer was it the demon that I'm hiding in the closet. Now it's, it's out there. People can take it or leave it. I haven't lost any followers. Okay, we can put, post something else again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost just kind of like tipping your toes in the water. You're like, I'm going to just share this little piece about me. And I get yep. this I get this question all the time from people. They're like, how do you share your story without like barfing all over everybody? And also, you need to share it from an empowering state. So it's not a like a barf all over people with like, woe is me. This is my story. Like, look at all my struggles. It's like, this is what I was struggling with. Like, this is the transformation I had, maybe some tools that I used. And this is where I am now. Yes, and, for sure. And what I do tell people is, you know, if you're looking to come out with your story or to have people know you from certain points in your life, pick like three things and have like three main stories about yourself that you kind of just keep recycling. And this is how people become known for their story. They're like, oh, this was Marta. You know, she had the eating disorder. She thought she had to be perfect. She shedded that. Now she's into like, you know, self-love and positive body image and empowering women. So I love that you've been able to do that. And I remember, I think like one of your very first posts, you're like, I did it. It's out there. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I actually turned off Instagram for, I think, 24 hours because I was like, nope, there's bad comments. I don't want to see them. <laughs> yeah. Especially like, I mean, with an eating disorder as well, like that's a huge thing to be able to come out and be like, I did this to myself and this is how I felt about myself. How did you gain that courage to actually come out and say that? I think it's because I've realized how many of my friends are struggling with disordered eating. And I think a lot of it, people think it's still so acceptable. Um, I'm, I see a lot of behavior amongst the women I know that I know is unhealthy, but I also remember being in that place and not even realizing that it was unhealthy. Just thinking that it's what women do. It's how women act. So I think realizing that that culture has to change and that mindset has to change and that just because you ate an extra thousand calories yesterday doesn't mean you live off of water and carrots today. Mm. I think I, I hear that too often and I think women are still in that starvation mode, still in that restriction mode, still in the let's not talk about the demons. And I think it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. And I mean, this is what leaders do, right? You you lead the way through a movement. And I think a lot of people, they, they fear that they're not all always on the other side. And here's the thing with, with leadership guys, for you guys listening, you're never going to be fully over your demons. Like, I mean, I'm sure you, you can attest to this as well. Like even myself, like I went through yo-yo dieting for years and negative mindset and, and addictions and stuff. Like you're never completely like, I'm glad that part of my life is gone and I'm never going to have to deal with it again. It's a constant evolution of you constantly getting better. And as long as we are like two steps in front of the other people we're leading, we can help them. Yes, exactly. Because I don't think that there, there are certain things in your life. I don't think there's ever a full recovery because the trauma will always be there. So that's still something you're working for psychologically, even though you may not know it. But I found actually that when I started to post my story, the negative comments that I got privately again um, actually came from men. And I think it was men who didn't want to accept that this was how insecure women were due to the media. I think it was almost they felt like they were blamed for liking the girls who were super skinny. It was 
an internal guilt that I think they were trying to project. So I got a lot of messages, mostly from men that were not so positive. Mm. <laughs> but that's not who I'm selling to. So it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, you're like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, but you know, until we start to all open up about it, because I know a lot of men who have very disordered eating too. So until we start to talk about that stuff, I mean, unfortunately, it's going to still be that elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. Men, and I really realize this too with going through the competitive fitness world, like the bodybuilders, the mm-hmm. biggest, most jacked, like defined men are the most insecure people I've ever met. And yeah. they almost have like the opposite effect of women sometimes where they need to feel big and huge and they feel like they're never big enough. Much like yeah. women, we're like, we feel like we're never skinny enough. So it's it's all the same thing. It's just a different demon. Exactly. And I mean, it. I mean, whether you are restricting your food and in starvation mode or whether you're using substances like steroids that are going to cause heart issues, I mean, one way or another, you're looking at an unhealthy spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that you're speaking out about this. It's so great. And and now that you've really come into who you want to help in the movement, it's it's changed everything for your business. And I think like this is the biggest thing. People just don't define like what problem am I solving? Yes. And exactly, yeah, exactly what you were saying earlier in the interview there. So it's incredible. What has been some mindset shifts for you that you've had over the past year? Be successful and still be myself. I think that was a big one for me, just changing the fact that I don't have to change who I am in order to be super successful. I don't have to become this ideal perfect girl in order to do that. So I think it's, and I think it's very hard for women that we can have both. We can have the social life and we can have the business aspect. And I think that's something that I've had to accept that right now I'm focusing on the business, but that doesn't mean that I can't at some point have both. Yeah. So it's just mindsets of, you know, balance, really. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, I just want balance. I just want to feel like things are balanced. And like balance is bullshit. It all just depends on like, what's your focus right now? So right now we need to build the business. This is the focus. It's not always going to be so heavily focused on this and other things being so, you know, sacrificed. Yeah. And it's just, as you said, it balance doesn't mean 50, 50 balance means right now it could be 90, 10, Mm -hmm. but eventually it could be the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love what you said there about, I can be me and be successful. And like this was something that I had as well. I thought that I had to be like a perfect image and no one knew about my faults. And I think like, and I know you fall into this perfectionist mindset as well. And one of the big like breakthroughs for me, and maybe you had this too, is that I am going to be the exact same person as I am now, whether I'm making $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, you are who you are. Yes. And I remember I used to think like, oh, like when I'm successful, like I'm never going to leave my clothes on the floor and I'm never going to like crave chocolate cake. And like, I'm going to be like this, like perfect, awesome human being for everybody. And it's almost like we have like this ideal vision of this person we're going to like morph into. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and then like, as success starts to happen, you're like, oh, I, I can be normal and imperfect and still have everything I want. Yes. And I think the other thing, too, is just as you said, I think we have this image of what people who are successful are. Mm. And for some people, I find that that's not positive. I think that some people think that, well, if you're rich, you can be an asshole. Yeah. Well, you can be poor and be an asshole, too. Like, 
Yeah. And like, this is why I do these interviews. Like, this is why you're here to like, let people know that you, you think a lot isn't, a lot is not going to change in your life. I mean, even when it comes to like how you feel about money or how you really feel about your business, or like, if you're like a driver for your business, you're going to be a driver later on. If you procrastinate like crazy right now, you know, where's that motivation going to come from for you to com completely start acting differently? Like you are who you are. So it doesn't matter what stage you're in, what you're trying to achieve. If you aren't changing like your internal belief system, the physical aspects of your life don't change. Yes, I completely agree. And I think that's like, and that's why I said like, how is your mindset shift changed? Because we need to change how we feel about ourselves and what we think are the possibilities or the limitations. Yeah, I, th I think for me, really, it was the fact that I can be successful and not be perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that acceptance of I can be in a hoodie in a photo and be totally fine with it. I don't have to be in a sports bra every single time I'm taking a photo. Yeah. And I think with social media too, like there's a huge shift. Like when Instagram came out, everything was kind of about like Photoshopped and perfect bodies and like this perfect image. And I think now, which is why like I love Instagram stories, which I kind of mm -hmm. like what you do. It's like the back end of your, of your life. Um, yeah. People want the real side of you. People don't want to feel like everything is so perfectly set up and Photoshopped and edited. And they just want to know that you're a human being. Yeah. It's like your feed is your storytelling, but everything else is your Coles notes. It's like the back end stuff. Yeah. So I want my feed to look pretty and I want it to have a con consistent message, but I also want my followers to know that, yes, I still walk Logan in track pants and a hoodie and I'm totally fine with it. You know, like that back end stuff of what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like that's reality. Like that's yeah. totally real. Um, so you're doing a lot more like videos now and getting on camera. Were you ever afraid or shy to get on video? I hated video. <laughs> okay. Let, let's talk I about did. this because <laughs> so many people, and I know that you were one of them where it's like, we need you guys to get on video. And then it's like, <sighs> so, I think I almost threw up when you said that in the mentorship. <laughs> Okay, tell, let's go into this process. How did you start shedding this fear of getting on video? Well, so I think it came down to I needed to realize why I hated video. And number one was the fact that I do not wear makeup every single day. Mm. And that was a big issue for me was getting comfortable with looking like I do every single day on camera was a big one. Um, I also have an accent that apparently I'm the only one who hears it, but I hear it enough that it drove me nuts. So I needed to just I don't think you it. have an accent. You think you have an accent? Uh, yeah. I That's hear so the funny. S's, the way I pronounce it. And, you know, it's such a – I like I had to literally narrow down and say, why am I like this? Like what exactly do I hate about video? And once I kind of worked through that, I found that the confidence got better. Mm -hmm. So it, it is asking yourself, what, why do you hate it? Like what makes you feel uncomfortable about it? And I found that at first doing some videos with other people in it really helped me feel confident. But once I actually started to get on video more and more, uh, getting onto the lives, because when you're on live, you just got to talk. Like, oh, yeah. Live <laughs> is like full exposure. You feel like you're sitting there naked and everyone's staring at you. <laughs> exactly. And it was just one of those, well, just start doing lives. You're going to feel comfortable. It's going to get better. And it has. Like, it definitely has. I have probably about 15 or 16 videos that I've done with a few people that will be getting posted in the next little while. And I find people like the videos. They like hearing you talk. They don't mind if you stutter a little bit because you're just human then. Yeah. 
Yeah. I had a, an episode come out a couple episodes ago about like the three hacks to showing up better on video. And number one thing I talked about was knowing that you don't have to show up perfect because if you think you need to be perfect, there's never that moment where you're like, okay, I'm ready. Like everything's perfect in life. I can do this. So it, it's like failing forward. It's doing it, feeling like an idiot doing it, maybe going back and like judging yourself, but just keep moving forward because it's, it's a skill. And, and if you don't start getting on video and if you don't start talking, if you don't start working through those awkward moments that you feel, you'll never, ever feel better about doing it. You're right. I used to be not able to rewatch my videos after I made them. And now I've gotten past that. Now I can actually rewatch. Is this worth posting? Um, does it have enough content? And that's another thing. And it's actually gotten to the point where I actually can't post my videos on my feed because I can talk more than that now and a minute isn't enough. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So at first you're like, I can't do this. And now you're like, I want more time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I prefer going on Facebook with my videos or my Facebook groups because then I can actually record a longer message. Oh my God. I love it. That's so funny. Um, yeah, this is so cool because it's just, it's watching your growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you guys had us do a five day challenge and like the one that we had in our personal private group with like Facebook groups. And I found that really changed things for me doing five lives in a row that had to actually have content that had to be pre-planned. That really helped me get over my fear of being on video because it had to be done. It was scheduled and there were people waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's it's doing the action even when sometimes you're not ready for it because, and I mean, we even said this in our mentorship, like if you want your business to be different by the end of the mentorship, you need to be different. You need to be a different person coming out of it. And it's going to take doing things that you are currently not doing in your business. And you're usually not doing them because they're uncomfortable for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you're never going to be fully comfortable. That's no. not what business is about. <laughs> no. Like, you're never fully ready. Nothing is ever perfect. That's just what it is, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're never fully there. Like it's not a destination. No, yeah. it's not. It, it's a journey. And I find as you, as the growth, and I'm you're sure you've experienced this with your growth being so fast over the past like six or nine months, you're like, how much more can I like up-level myself so I can expedite this growth? Yeah, I found this summer because obviously summer is a little slow. I took summer more for myself than anything else in terms of what my personal growth would be. So I made sure to read more and take more time for where can I expand my knowledge? Where can I grow more so that I can up level again? Because your business won't just keep up leveling on itself. You're not just going to have people walking in all the time if you're not growing as a person. Amen. Amen. How does... How do you prioritize personal development? Uh, so I actually have a three to one rule. So um, I try to do three things for my business every day, two things for my health and fitness, and one thing that is personal. So it doesn't see, it's basically a minimum because I end up doing way more than three things for my business. But the way I look at it is if I do three things every single day for my business, that's 90 things I've done in a month. If I do two things, everything for my health every single month, that's 60 things I'm doing for myself. So it's just prioritizing that way because then I'm still finding some sort of a balance. But when I first started and I talked to you about this, I just couldn't figure out when can I go to the gym? When can I meal prep when I have so much I want to do right now? And it's realizing that you're never going to be done that stuff. Yeah. There's always something to do in business. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when I'm not feeling my best, I'm not doing my best either. 100%. That's a big thing with me too. Like I've battled with mental health and like, you know, if I want to show up on podcasts and do interviews or like, if you want to show up on a video and deliver high valuable content to people with energy, you better feel freaking amazing in your body. And that means the self-care things that need to be done. Yeah, exactly. And I've gotten to the point where at 10 PM, I actually put all of my electronics on Wi-Fi or sorry, on airplane mode, just so that I'm actually shutting down and reading instead. I found that that really helped me. And in the mornings, I don't turn my phone back on till 8 a.m. So I'm up at about 5 a.m., but I don't turn it on till 8 because there's so many other things I can still do. I do all of my self-care stuff and then I'm ready for the day. Yeah. And I mean, like that that's high performance, right? Just understanding how do I operate best and what are the things that I need in my life, whether I want to do them or not. Like the, there needs to be the non-negotiables of how your day is set up or how you feel or those you know, bedtime habits, those things that create the negative energy within us that, you know, bring down our energy, bring down our self-confidence, bring down our business growth. So I love that you're so super aware of that. Yeah. And I think you kind of have to build those habits, just as you said, because if you're going to bed at two in the morning and still trying to get up at 5am to function, I know some people do it, but my adrenals will get so taxed. I'm going to end up being completely miserable by two weeks of doing that. And what am I accomplishing? So maybe I had two high performance weeks and then what, six really crappy ones because I drove myself to absolute exhaustion. Yeah. And I find like we have to go through that to realize, hmm, I can't keep this cycle moving forward. Exactly. And, you know, really prioritizing sleep. I Seven hours is what I really aim for because then I'm high performance throughout the day. I'm not hitting that two o'clock block where I'm exhausted and I can't function anymore. Yeah, 100%. It's, well, especially because we work with people. You almost have to be on all the time. Well, we give so much of ourselves to other people, right? So yeah. it's like that oxygen mask theory. Um, I think we talked about it in the mentorship. You know, if a, if a, if an airplane is going down, mm-hmm. you know, who do they tell you to put the oxygen mask on first? Yourself. Your, yourself. You know, don't put it on your child beside you or the person beside you because if you're dead, you cannot help other people. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's a major one. I You can't pour, pour from an empty cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I don't want to keep you too long. I want to, you know, be mindful of our time here. Um, I just have to say it has been so incredible to watch your growth and, you know, still seeing everything you're doing on social media. And like, I know I can honestly say like the Marta that I met like a year ago, nine months ago is not the Marta I'm talking to right now. You know, can you? I agree. Yeah. So I, you, you see that growth in yourself? For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the other thing, like just as we were saying, because we're always on, I'm actually a really huge introvert. So being able to be a functioning introvert versus when I started the the mentorship, I definitely was not a functioning introvert. That has been a major change for me. Being able to find that balance of where's business, where's personal life, how do I make everything work at its best, and how do I actually see growth? Mm. And really, you guys taught me that growth really does come from yourself first. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we teach so much strategy to you as well, but it's it's the internal growth that, that makes you implement the strategy. Exactly. Because you can teach somebody all you want, all the details on how to do the algorithms, but if they don't want to do it, then they just won't. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to finish with two questions for you here. What does fulfillment mean to you? Uh, fulfillment for me was definitely figuring out exactly what it is I wanted and how how my current situation was making me feel. Was I actually doing what I wanted or was I trying to fill 
a mold that really probably wasn't me. So fulfillment was really coming into my own, coming into the imperfect person that I thought that I needed to be almost and becoming the person that I am. I love that. Love that. And last question. If you could go back to your 25 year old self, what would you want her to know? Girl, get a coach. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Coaching is... Don't waste nine years. Just get a coach. <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah. And, you know, watching like the growth you've had, like in the six months together and then like, you know, the nine months that, you know, we've really been in big contact. It's, it just expediates everything. Yes, for yeah. sure. So what are the, benef- I, what are the benefits of having a coach? What has changed? You know, an outside eye can always show you something that you're not seeing because you're so close to the picture. It's having that unbiased opinion. It's having that person push you, knowing that you're accountable to someone. Um, and really, like, having them – I mean, I've always been preaching self-love. I've always been hashtagging self-love. But it, I never thought to make that my actual movement when really it had been just not polished and not centered. And it was you guys who kind of said – this is what you're always posting about. Why is this not your movement? So sometimes people see the things that you're missing. They see all the stuff that you're not doing, you're not doing correctly. And it just almost puts you on a path of where you should be. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that confidence behind you as well of knowing like the reassurance, like how many times are you like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? And then like you just end yeah. up in this negative self-talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I Whereas mean- like, Sometimes it's that harsh talk that you need, right? That like tough love and you need it. Yeah. Oh, we got dogs popping in here. We got dogs. <laughs> All right. Well, we are finishing up here again. Thank you so much, Marta. Uh, I know that this talk is, is going to help so many fitness entrepreneurs as well. And like, this is the real stuff that we have to talk about. And yeah. you know, where you were nine months ago or a year ago has completely shifted. And it's just, it's been you up leveling. That's all that it is. I can only thank you guys for this, for pushing me to be my best because I definitely wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. Well, thank you so much, Marta. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 